What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolillo, and today I'm going to be giving you all a preview of the World Series, as well as recapping the ALCS and the NLCS, because we had two great series that went six games. I mean, all four teams that were left in the playoffs gave it their all, made it competitive, made a must-watch TV every night, but uh, only two remain, so let's get right into it. I guess I'm going to start in the American League. I'm more of an American League guy. I'm going to recap the ALCS. I know I talked after the first game in the last episode when Carlos Correa hit that go-ahead home run and stuff like that, so the Ashes were up one nothing. Uh, the series turned real quick after that first game. In game two, early on, Luis Garcia started for the Houston Astros in that game and got himself into a lot of trouble. He even went down. He got injured in the game, but before he even got injured, he gave up a grand slam in that game to J.D. Martinez with two outs in the first inning. Definitely a dagger early on. Two strikes, I believe, on the count, too, so you definitely don't like that. I mean, then they bring in Odorizzi Endeavors. It's a grand slam in that game. So for a team, like I mentioned with the Red Sox, they definitely had to have that game, too, with Eovaldi on the mound. Coming right back, and getting to Luis Garcia early was exactly what they needed to do. And then the offense continued when they went to Fenway. I mean, Kyle Schwarber does the same thing in game three. It's a grand slam early. And Boston had a ride that early lead to victory. And you're thinking right now, Boston up 2-1 in this series over Houston. Houston's starting pitching has not looked good at all to this point in the series. And you bring it to game four. Game four, for sure, was the turning point of this series. Boston's up 2-1 to one in this game, late in the game. I believe it's the eighth inning. Jose Altuve, it's a game-tying home run. And Houston, they like I said, they were scrapping all in this game. They had to have this game. You can't really lose three straight, especially with that fifth game being at Boston. They would have been really in an uphill battle. They go into the ninth inning. It's a tie ball game, and Alex Cora makes a pretty bold decision. He goes with Nathan Eovaldi, who was his scheduled Game 6 starter. Ended up actually starting Game 6 as well, too, even though he pitched the ninth inning of this Game 4. And Eovaldi, like I said, has been their, really their horse all postseason this year. I mean, they went to him in the big spots. They went to him in the wild card game, and he's their guy. Clearly, they don't have a whole lot of trust in the back end of their bullpen. I mentioned that. It's not very like they don't really have any like those A tier relievers. They have a couple guys like Brazier. Matt Barnes, though, has really struggled in the second half. So you really don't trust him a ton. I mean, he didn't even really make the ALDS roster at first until he had to replace Garrett Richards. So there's not a whole Garrett Whitlock was in the game when he gave the home run. So there's not a whole lot of people you'd really go to. So Eovaldi was definitely a bold choice. I'm still. I was definitely stunned at, but Alex Cora, I guess that's what they pay him the big bucks for. It was, you could argue, a good decision because Nathan Eovaldi gets the two strikes and two outs on Jason Castro, the pinch hitter, and a questionable two-strike call that Boston fans will point to and they'll say completely turn the series around because there's no strike on that play. There was a missed third strike call, I should call it. And then the next pitch, Jason Castro hits a single into right field. The Astros take a 3-2 lead. And that just opened the floodgates that inning. I know Brantley hit a triple that inning, that base is clearing to make it 6-2. And, uh, I mean, that was all she wrote. They ended up finishing, put up three more runs in that inning, end up winning the game 9-2. But I think right there, then in time, you can point to that area of that game and you could be like, sometimes one call – I mean, you don't want to leave it completely in the umpire's hands. I'm sure Alex Cora isn't too thrilled that, like, maybe he thinks that that was strike three. But 
was the Evaldi the right move? That's he's that's something he's gonna have to think about. And Evaldi ultimately didn't get it done, but there were some like powers that were just out of his hands for that game. So I feel a little bad for Nathan Evaldi after that. Now the Astros after Game Four, obviously in that late comeback and exhilarating victory, had all the momentum. Games five and game six, they rode their starting pitchers. I mean, Framber Valdez was unbelievable in game five. The guy goes eight innings, only gives up three hits, one run. And the Astros, I mean, not completely off Chris Sale's fault. They get to him a little bit in, I believe it was the, it was the sixth inning. It didn't help. Uh, I believe it was a Kyle Schwarber error, too, that contributed to some of the runs getting in. But Sale came in, Brazier came in, and they kind of opened. You know what I mean? They gave him a little bit of a lead. And that's all Valdez needed. Obviously, his stuff was on. It was clear and obvious. And Luis Garcia said, you know what, Framber Valdez, that start was good. Let me one-up you in game six. He brought a no-hitter into the sixth inning. He only threw like 76 pitches. They pulled him after Kike Hernandez hit a double off of him. But you really can't ask for much more if you're the Houston Astros from your starting pitchers in game five and six. I mentioned with no Lance McCullers that this was definitely an area where – uh, they're shorthanded, you know what I mean? They're gonna they're gonna rely on their lineup no matter what. And if they like, depending on what they got from their starting rotation, they were a big X factor in the series. And for sure, uh, Valdez and Garcia step up big in Game Six. I mentioned Garcia in Game Six got them through almost six innings. They had to uh, call on a reliever to get the last out of that sixth inning. But definitely, I guess the icing on the cake, if you want to ask me, Boston's one final chance was in the seventh inning of that game. They had first and third with one out. Uh, Travis Shaw was a pinch hitter, and he strikes out. But not only does he strike out, it was a strike him out, throw him out, because Verdugo gets caught stealing from Martin Maldonado. You can slander his hitting all you want, but that guy is one of the best defensive catchers in today's game without question. And it was on full display right there. Correa doesn't even have to move his glove. Verdugo slides right. He couldn't do anything. He was gone, uh, dead in the water. So... That right there was definitely a rally killer. You'd love Boston, if you're a Boston fan, to get a run there. And the ultimate, ultimate dagger, two outs, bottom of the eighth inning, down two runs. Adam Adam Adovino comes in and gives up a three-run home run to Kyle Tucker. Presley closes it out in the ninth. And the Houston Astros, a team that looked absolutely done for in this series, ends up coming victorious. The MVP of this series, I can't believe I haven't even mentioned his name yet, Jordan Alvarez, he was unreal in the second half of the series. He finished the series nine for 13 with five extra base hits, five RBIs. You saw, um, especially in game six, the Red Sox just could not pitch to him. Like he was unbelievable. We've meant, I've mentioned to a couple of times how Jordan Alvarez was like, you look at his career stats, it's unbelievable how like in a full 100, he really hasn't played a whole ton of games in his career. Uh, how good they really are. You know what I mean? He really flies under the radar on this Houston team. But yeah, Alvarez was able to really get the offense going in game five uh, with his solo home run. And then he had a hit up later on in that game that I believe it knocked Chris out of the game. And then game six, obviously, like I said, he went four for four. Just an unbelievable performance by him. A well-deserved MVP. I'm honestly not too surprised. Another big storyline of this series, Boston scored one run in the last 23 innings, and they were outscored 22 to one since that eighth inning of game four. So 
if you want to look to something, I know the Astros too. They were a little worried about the Red Sox potentially stealing signs. I don't, I don't think they did. They were stealing signs. But I mean, if you want to look at the evidence and stuff like that, the Astros said they changed their signs going into Game Four, going into Game Five, and the Red Sox offense was a completely different offense. The first three games in the series and the last three games of the series. You know, Hunter Renfro, a guy on Boston who really struggled this series, but Boston, I don't think a lot of people really expected them to be there. So you're happy with how you guys played all season and stuff like that. Obviously winning the wild card game, winning the ALDS. It's a sour note to go out in the ALCS, but this is a team that was projected to finish fourth in their division. They should not, uh, they should hold their head high after this one. And they should know that they, they have a good core and they're ready again to go back to the playoffs next year and make another run. They have to fix up a couple things for sure. Their bullpen, maybe even bring in another starter, but that lineup is legit. They just went cold. It happens. It's one of those things. And unfortunately, one of those things that really seems to occur when you're so heavily reliant on your offense in the playoffs, because at good pitch, sometimes you've got guys like Valdez and Garcia, some underheralded guys, I guess you could say not really household names will just come up and they'll, they'll deliver a start. They'll have their stuff that day. And the lineup, there's not really a whole lot they can do about that. So the Astros will move on to the World Series for the third time since 2017, where they will play the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves beat the Dodgers in six games. And early on in this series, it was the late game heroics from the Atlanta Braves. Game one, Austin Riley was all the offense. And he even ends it with a line drive single down the left field line to walk it off for the Braves. In game two, Eddie Rosario says, all right, Austin Riley, I can match that. Also, it's a walk off that game. So early on in the series, if you're the Dodgers right now, after playing that long five-game series against the Giants with emotions riding high, you've now been in two sweaters and um, came out on the wrong end. It's almost like you, you kind of feel like you're losing a little bit of traction right there. Maybe you're not too, too thrilled with how those games have turned out. And in game three, the Dodgers are, in essence, kind of done for. I mean, they're down three runs going into the eighth inning. Luke Jackson's on the mound for the Atlanta Braves, and he had a tough series, and this was his first real, first real bad appearance of the series. I know it wasn't just the only one, but Cody Bellinger, in essence, saves the Dodgers' season with one swing of the bat. It's a three-run home run to tie the game there. And then Betts hits a double later in the inning to take the lead. And then the Dodgers ultimately hold on to win that game 6-5. So if you're the Braves right there, uh, it's yes, the series is 2-1 after three games, but you would have loved to be up 3-1 and really rightfully so they deserved. I know obviously the first two games they walk off, but this is a team that has battled adversity all year and almost to kind of let the Dodgers back in. You get a little scared when this game and stuff like that happens when you don't put away a, a team like that. I'm not going to sit here and say, I mean, the Dodgers have a more talented roster than the Braves, especially with the Braves injuries. I know the Dodgers are banged up everywhere, but the Braves are just not as talented. So when you have a chance to put a team like the Dodgers away, going up 3-0, you have to take every advantage. You can't leave the door even a sliver open. And that's what the Braves did. Fortunately for the Braves, though, they came back in game four right after and tacked on runs early. End up winning that game big 9-2. They scored a bunch of runs as well in the ninth inning. Eddie Rosario hit a three-run home run in that game to really put it away. But Julio, I guess the common theme I go from that game was really the Dodgers starting pitchers the first time around. Scherzer, Bueller, and Julio Urias just did not get the job done. Three guys who were great for them all playoffs up until that point. 
You, maybe you can attribute it to pitching on short rest certain spots and maybe just over usage and stuff like that, but not something that you would have loved to see if you were a Dodgers fan, especially those guys are the cream of the crop. I mean, Bueller and Scherzer are going to get Cy Young votes. Urias probably will too. I mean, he won 20 games, which is impressive. And so right now it doesn't tell the whole story, but still going into game five, the Dodgers, they would still be at a disadvantage because they would be without Justin Turner, who got banged up in that game four, had to leave the game. So again, a team already without Max Muncy, we could keep, the list goes on with the pitcher side, but more importantly, like in the lineup, now without Muncy and Turner, I mean, those are two of your top five hitters in your lineup. I don't care how good of a team you are. Not, like, that's, that's a hole for every single team. So for them, it didn't matter in game five because Chris Taylor slid over to third base. And what did he do? He had three home runs. No big deal to keep them in this series. I know they were, the Dodgers went bullpen game two. Those guys pitched well, really, all game. They gave up a couple early runs. I believe it was a Freddie Freeman two-run home run. Yeah, it was a Freddie Freeman two-run home run. And then from that point, the Dodgers bullpen did a great job limiting their offense and rode the back of Chris Taylor. I would tip your cap to Taylor. I'm sure the Braves, you know, that, that's exactly what they did. And then going into game six, bring it back to Atlanta. The big storyline was how, if you ask me, I thought the Dodgers, if they could win game five, they set themselves so set, set them, they set themselves up so good to win this series because they could go with uh, Max Scherzer in game six and Walker Bueller in game seven. So when you pair those two guys, I mean, those are two of the top 10 pitchers conservatively in baseball. Probably I'd even go way less. I'd go maybe top six pitchers in baseball. So if you're the Braves, you're almost like, oh, boy, like we might be in a little bit of trouble here. However, Walker Bueller didn't look too, too sharp in that game six against the Atlanta Braves. The biggest, again, the turning point, I guess you could say, of this series, it's 1-1 going into the Bottom of the fourth inning, the Dodgers finally got a run across in the top end of the fourth because Cody Bellinger hit a single. I mean, Cody Bellinger definitely helped fix his 2021 season. I think maybe some Dodgers fans were for sure disappointed with how he played in the regular season. But in the playoffs, he was real good for them. He was got some timely hits. And playoff Cody has definitely emerged as a real thing for sure. So I'm excited to see Cody Bellinger hopefully get right in the regular season. And then if he has a good regular season, how can he transfer that over then into the playoffs? Definitely excited. But back to getting on to this point, the Dodgers score one in the top of the fourth, bottom of the fourth, two outs, and in steps Eddie Rosario, the guy who had really been carrying the Atlanta offense, get four hits in one of the earlier games in this series. And Rosario draws a ball down the right field line just gets over the wall and just stays fair for a three-run home run off Walker Bueller to make it a 4-1 ball game. And kind of a backbreak if you're Walker Bueller, you know what I mean? You thought that he made, he needs one pitch to get out of this. But instead, Rosario's giving Atlanta a three-run lead, a little bit of quiet for the next couple innings. And then by far the biggest moment of probably the playoffs so far was the seventh inning. Luke Jackson comes on for the Atlanta Braves in the seventh. And I know... I, I just don't love the idea to go to Luke Jackson. I mean, they went to A.J. Minter earlier. Who A.J. Minter was unreal in this series. I believe six innings, he didn't give up a run. Unbelievable he was. So you go to Minter the, for two innings previously. You can't really get any more out of him. But to go to Luke Jackson here, especially with like Bellinger do up in the line of a guy who hit the home run off Jackson in game three, I didn't completely love the move from uh, Brian Snitker. But I, I guess – Hindsight is 20-20 because Jackson doesn't get an out. He lets a run in and two guys on. So Tyler Matzik 
comes jogging in, jogging into the game. A guy with the Atlanta Braves have loved to employ because he's been real reliable for them these past couple of years. Obviously, in 2020, really got back on the right track after being out of baseball. And then this past year was also a solid reliever. And in the playoffs, too, has been very good. But inherits a situation, second and third, nobody out, up two runs. And Albert Pujols was due up at the plate and then at like the pitcher spot. And then Betts, Tyler Matzik strikes out. Pujols, Steven Souza was the pinch hitter, and Mookie Betts on three pitches send an absolute statement to the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers saying the Braves are winning this series. There was, there's no coming back from that. Atlanta, I mean, shuts the door. Then in the eighth inning with Matzik, and then in the ninth inning, Will Smith is able to hold the lead, and the Atlanta Braves are moving on to the World Series. But I mean, you want to talk about one of the best moments recently in playoff baseball. It will be for sure Matzik coming in and striking out the side there. People can say how baseball can be all they it's all slow and stuff like that. But like if that doesn't get your heart racing and when a guy comes out of there and he's fighting to get out of that inning and he finally does with no runs and stuff like that, he was amped up. The whole crowd is amped up, rightfully so. I mean, Matzik, I don't want to say like he could have potentially been the series MVP, but that was an MVP type moment for sure. I mentioned how he pitched in the other games in this series. I mean, he did give up two runs earlier in the series. He did pitch a lot of innings though in the series, pitched six innings in the series. So I guess, you know, you don't completely love that for an MVP standpoint, especially when a guy like Eddie Rosario for the Atlanta Braves hit over 500 in the series. Eddie Rosario hit 560, 14 hits, which was an LCS record in 25 plate appearances. Uh, Jorge Soler went down a little bit in this series as well. So somebody needed to step up and answer the bell. And Rosario was that guy. Crazy to think that the Cleveland Indians gave him to the Braves at the deadline for next to nothing. I know even in the past offseason, the Twins let him go for nothing and the Indians scooped him up. So definitely a feel good story for Eddie Rosario and the Atlanta Braves, a team that lost. Ronald Acuna Jr., Marcelo Zuna, and Mike Soroka finds themselves four wins away from a World Series title. I mentioned A.J. Minter earlier about how good he was in this series. Uh, Just highlighted how good the Atlanta Braves bullpen was. I mean, outside of Luke Jackson, if you want to say. Jesse Chavez was real good for them. Didn't give up a run in uh, almost three innings of work. Uh, A.J. Minter, again, six innings, didn't give up a run all series. And Will Smith, four innings, didn't give up a run. So when you want to look to something that was definitely an X factor, you look at the Braves back into their bullpen compared to the Dodgers starters. Like I said, Walker Buehler in both of his starts really didn't give the Dodgers a Walker Buehler-esque playoff performance. Max Scherzer, too, only only pitched one game. And maybe that save that he came in for game five of the NLCS lingered a little bit on him. Uh, Urias, too, struggled in this series. They used him out of the pen in one game, which maybe messed him up a little bit. But all in all, the Dodgers are going home. There will not be another repeat champion. Still hasn't happened since the Yankees in 1999 and 2000. So I guess we'll have to wait and see for if that can happen next year. But like I said, good good for the Atlanta Braves, a team that I actually predicted in our opening episode to go to the World Series. I ultimately said it would be against my New York Yankees. But the Braves have definitely battled a lot of adversity this year. They were third place. They were in third place at the All-Star break, losing Ronald Acuna Jr. Or maybe they were in second place. But again, they were eventually jumped by the Phillies. So all in all, 
I'm very happy that the Atlanta Braves are in this situation, especially because it could be Freddie Freeman's last year. It shouldn't be there. Freddie Freeman is a pending free agent, but come on, pay Freddie Freeman. The guy's kind of the heart and soul of the team. So I'm excited for this World Series, and I guess I'll get right into my World Series preview. So for this World Series between the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros, the Houston Astros are the home team. They had the better record in the regular season. So that takes care of that. It will start tonight, which is Tuesday, October 26th. Game one starters are Charlie Morton versus Framber Valdez. The Braves have went a little back and forth here. They started Morton game one of the NLDS, Freed of the NLCS, and now they're going to Morton game one, which I'm sure they'll follow Freed game two. I think Freed is if you ask me, the better option. But Morton, rightfully so, one of the best postseason pitchers really in the last five years, a guy who actually used to be on Houston too. So I'm sure there's a little bit of extra emotion for Charlie Morton in this game to uh, put put his team over the hump. I have a couple keys to this series that I think both teams need to execute in order to come out on top. Number one, and the biggest thing, is can Atlanta's bullpen keep it up? I mentioned Tyler Matzik, gave up two runs in his six innings of work in the LCS. I mentioned AJ Minter didn't give up a run in six innings. And I mentioned Will Smith didn't give up a run in four innings, all versus the Dodgers, all versus one of the best lineups in baseball. Now the Houston Astros too are no pushover. I mean, that lineup, like I said, one through eight with Maldonado at nine is can, can hit for sure. So can Atlanta get big outs when they need them to all series against the Boston Red Sox. Houston was so pesky and Got a timely hit whenever they needed to, as well as the series against the White Sox. That lineup has just so much experience almost in the playoffs. I know they keep bringing up that graphic about how Gurriel, Altuve, Bregman, and Correa, their infield, is going to pass the Yankees group of Jeter, Paul O'Neill, Tino Martinez, and Bernie Williams for most postseason games played together. So pretty impressive there. But again, it just speaks to how much experience this team has. So these past couple series... They've gotten the big hit when they needed to. So I think it's a lot of it's going to come down to Atlanta's bullpen. Can they stay as hot as they were in the LCS? And Luke Jackson, too, has to figure something else out because Minter, Matzik, and Will Smith, all southpaws, all left-handed pitchers. So you need a guy, again, who can get, go get out Correa and go get out Bregman, Altuve, and stuff like that. Give yourself more of an advantage. I'm not saying that Matzik, Minter, and Smith can't, but you don't want to keep seeing all left-handed arms all series. So Jackson hopefully will definitely get right and can hopefully get rid himself of his LCS struggles. And Jesse Chavez, too, I think will be a big, big piece for them out of the bullpen as well. Moving on to my second key point, which starters will the Houston Astros get? I know still no Lance McCullers, which is really a shame because McCullers is their ace. Pitched so well in the regular season coming back from injury because he was deprived of that season last year of that run that they went on uh, coming off Tommy John surgery. So or recovering from Tommy John surgery, I should say. So your two starters, I know this past series, they went to Granky and your Keedy. I'm curious if they're going to go to them again, but really it comes down to the first two. Will they get games one and two of Valdez and Luis Garcia, or will they get games five and six of Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia? And game five, like I mentioned, Framber Valdez, his sinker was working. And in game six, Luis Garcia, he like overcame what he got a little like I think they said his knee was what he left with the injury it didn't seem to affect him at all he had like kept showing this stat about like 97 plus mile an hour pitches that he threw and like he threw more in that game than he had thrown the rest of the season maybe a little Red Sox fans can be maybe a little suspicious about that I don't know I just think that's a guy who 
maybe reworked his mechanics a little bit and was just really feeling himself, to be honest, on that mound. You have a ton of ton of adrenaline going in that game. So those first two games in Houston, though, are huge for those starting pitchers to really set a tone in this series and kind of show this Atlanta Braves offense that um we're here to play for sure. I know Atlanta was able to do a good job getting to the Dodgers starters. So can they keep that going in this series? A uh, couple X factors, if you ask me, on both sides. I know I've mentioned already the starters of the Astros and the bullpen of Atlanta. The X factor, if you ask me, for the Atlanta Braves is Max Freed. And Max Freed, like I said, is one of the best young pitchers in baseball, up and coming. Can Max Freed win you that game two in Houston to swing you back to Atlanta? I think Freed is more than capable of doing it because even if, no matter what you are in the series, if you have 1-0 going into that game two, if you go up 2-0 going into Atlanta, you're hoping to close that game at close that series at home in those three games, win two of them. You guys are World Series champions. If not, if you're down 1-0 in the series, you absolutely need Freed to stop that going into game three. And then you kind of have that big swing game of game three at your place. And you feel so confident in that with your home field crowd behind you with Ian Anderson pitching against the Astros third best starter who, again, TBD, I guess. I think it would be Granky again, but who knows how they're going to approach us. Dusty Baker has a tough decision to make. So, I think Freed has the potential to really play a huge role in this series. Would probably pitch game six as well down the line, maybe a series clinching game. So Freed's going to need to really step up and give them some big innings in this postseason. And I'm sure he can. I've mentioned a lot of times how he had this rough start to this season, but similar to a sense about like how Bellinger kind of revived the season. Freed, I mean, really revived the season all second half as well, but could really, um, put a stamp on this 2021 season with an awesome finish in the world series. Moving on to Houston, two X factors, I think are actually in their lineup. I'm going to go with Carlos Correa and Kyle Tucker. Both guys also had fair American league championship series performances. I know Correa hit that home run in game one was a little quiet as well as Kyle Tucker hit that late home run in game six. So I'm not going to say that they were like completely producing all series, but Jordan Alvarez was their offense, right? Jordan Alvarez obviously hits fourth in that Houston Astros order. So with Jordan Alvarez having such a good ALCS and not really on fire right now, I mean, I don't know how much Atlanta's really going to want to pitch him. I know Atlanta has a lot of lefties to go after him, so I think they honestly will go after him in this series. But Correa hitting right behind him, Kyle Tucker, and even uh, Gurriel too. Those guys hit five, six, seven in that order. Those guys have to step up because Alvarez obviously – if, he's, if he remains as hot as he was in that ALCS, Atlanta's just going to start pitching around him, and they're going to make other people beat them. So those are going to be the guys. Correa, in what looks like it will probably be his last couple games with the Houston Astros. He's a free agent at the end of the year. They weren't really able to come to a contract agreement in the early parts of this season. So he's going to test the waters. So maybe Correa wants to leave off Houston on a high note. I'm sure he does. But he's got a huge role to play in this series, backing up Jordan Alvarez. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see for that. One last thing that I'll mention on this series, I think one of the biggest themes of the postseason, if you ask me, has been experience. And I guess you could say, like, rest as well. I think that one of the problems that the Dodgers ran into was the Dodgers just they got too tired and they just played a lot of emotional games, first starting off with that wild card game and then that five-game series in the NLDS. I mean, it was just haymaker after haymaker that they had to take, and they just had to wear out that series, and they finally squeeze a win out against 
the San Francisco Giants in that game five when Scherzer closes the door. And even if you want to say the Red Sox, too, the Red Sox had to play in the wild card game. Then they had a four game series against the Rays where they had they won two games late. So, you know what I mean? They're playing into extra innings and stuff like that. Emotions are all over the place. And even with this Houston Astros series, you know what I mean? It was a little chippy and early on they were fighting with them and then. Later in this series, it's almost like Houston, they, they just ran out of gas, Boston, especially their lineup. So I think rest and experience has been a big factor. I wouldn't say rest once like either of these teams really like like favors it. Uh, you know what I mean? These series both went six games. Both these teams didn't play in the wild card game as well. I believe both their series actually, yeah, both the, both the division series matchups went four games. Experience, though, definitely would favor the Houston Astros. I mentioned earlier the Houston Astros are in the World Series for the third time in the last five years, whereas the Atlanta Braves, yes, they've been into the playoffs the last couple of years. They finally get into the World Series for the first time in what feels like a real long time, probably, probably maybe even the first time in the 2000s, if I'm not mistaken off the top of my head. But now it's going to be time for my prediction. I've mentioned I mean, this this postseason's been a little tough for me. You know, what I mean, we lost. I lost my Yankees early on in it, so I of course didn't want to see the Red Sox win. So I was happy from that from my fandom point of view that the Red Sox were able to go down to the Astros. But I definitely, definitely, definitely am pulling for the Atlanta Braves in this series. Uh, with all the stuff that came out about Houston the past couple of off seasons, I really don't want to see them win. I think it would be like a good validation for them to be like, well, you guys can like throw us under for cheating. Well, guess what? We'll just go make it to the LCS last year and then win the world series this next year. It doesn't matter. It's really remarkable, honestly, that the Astros are back here. I mean, they've lost in the last two years, Springer uh, to free agency this past year, the year before that, they lost Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, who was the 2019 AL Cy Young has been recovering from Tommy Johnson. He hasn't even been there. So, if you look at that team that lost to the Nationals in seven games a couple of years ago, they're missing three of their top contributors and they're still right back in there. And I'm not going to like they don't have like clear like they don't have big, they didn't bring in like a big fish to go replace these guys. They've done it with a lot of other pieces. So you'll tip I'll tip my cap to the Astros as much as I maybe don't despise them. Good for them and good for um like Dusty Baker and company really kind of like trying in a sense to revive their image. I'm sure that if they were able to win this World Series, it would be. It would almost be the baseball them getting like even with the baseball world, if you ask me. I think the baseball world will still always resent the Astros for what they did. But I think a lot of people would be able to accept it a lot more now if the Astros at least won this one. And they'd be like, all right, maybe it didn't mean as much. I'm not going to say it, it definitely played a huge part in their postseason runs, but I'm not going to say it played all the part. But with that still being said, I'm going to go with my prediction being the Atlanta Braves, Braves lineup, if you ask me, is just hot at the right time. I know Eddie Rosario really carried them this past LCS, but their lineup can go toe-to-toe with the Houston Astros, similar to how the Astros have the bullpen advantage too over the Red Sox. The Braves have a bullpen advantage over the Houston Astros, and they have a starting pitching advantage as well. I think ultimately with how close these lineups are, I'll give definitely an edge to Houston. I think Houston has more star power as well, but Freddie Freeman and Ozzie Albies are, of course, two of the best stars in our game. So, I think Atlanta's offense can do enough to keep up with their, like, you know what I mean? I don't think there's a huge drop off there. Whereas the starting pitching for Atlanta and the bullpen for Atlanta is much better than the Houston Astros, especially if you get the early versions of Luis Garcia and Framber Valdez, if you're Houston. My final prediction, I think the Atlanta Braves will win the World Series in six games. And I think your MVP of this World Series will be Adam Duvall, the guy, a guy who Atlanta got also at July 
at the trade deadline. He used to be on the Braves last year, then he signed with Miami, came back to them, had a really good second half. I believe he led the National League in RBIs. He's been playing center field for them. So I'm sure Duvall hitting in the middle of that order is going to have a ton of chances this series to really make an impact, and I'm banking on him to come through. But with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. And of course, after the World Series, we'll come back to you with our recap, what we thought about this game, and uh, kind of set you guys up for the offseason. But like I said, that's going to do it for today's episode. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.